Are you watching the Olympics? Here, here's my perception of the Winter Olympics. It's just variations of sliding. It's true. Sliding and falling down mountains. <laughs> exactly. So why am I watching this? Because sometimes when people fall down, uh, slide down mountains, they fall. Oh, is this like NASCAR? Are you just waiting for a crash? I have been watching speed skating all day, waiting for the crashes, and there I have not been disappointed. Oh, really? I love watching speed skating, especially the short track speed skating, because they come out of the gate really, really fast, and they try to cut each, uh, cut each other off at the corners, and they inevitably end up in some kind of pile against the wall. It's great. Nothing says excitement like a multi-person pileup with sharp blades on their feet. Exactly. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Listener discretion is advised. It's the earworm episode. From the Disneyland Children's Chorus to Run DMC, we'll run down the top 26 earworms of all time. Plus, we'll take you what it's going to take to get one out of your head. And uh, passing it on to someone doesn't really work. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. I grew up on the Canadian prairies. So my high school actually offered a course in curling. So curling. <laughs> wait, wait, what? I, I thought I thought that the all of the steps involved in curling started with drink a beer, rub some ice with a broom, drink another beer. That's advanced curling. Oh, okay. We began with you know junior high school curling. And Fridays at five o'clock, we were expected after school to walk down to the curling club and play a couple of ends. And back then we were using uh, straw brooms. Uh, but I uh, it was a very you know, it was ingrained in the culture of where I grew up. And it's funny. I was watching uh, the regular curling, not the mixed doubles curling, which I think is weird. And you don't even know what that is. No, mixed doubles curling. Isn't that just four people? No, it was no. It, well, it's two people per team, one dude, one woman. Yeah. It, I'd never even heard of mixed doubles curling before last weekend. But anyway, uh, I was watching the, the regular curling, the men's curling, and it was amazing how quickly all that stuff came back. All the terminology, all the strategy. Okay, can you explain then to me what hurry hard is supposed to mean? That's all. Gotta move. Oh, oh, yep, 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 Hurry and sweep in front of the rock as hard as you possibly can. Is there any other thing for the the skip to scream other than hurry hard? No, hurry hard is one of the words that you learn in, in junior high school when you're taking curling. And is that the only one anyone ever learns? Because it's the only thing I've ever heard. No, you can say no, 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 no. <laughs> What is that supposed to tell them? I mean, don't hurry hard. And this is an Olympic sport. This is an Olympic sport, and it can be. You know, it's it's like. You wouldn't play Crokinole either, would you? Isn't that a uh, card game? Or Shuffleboard. No, Crokinole is a board game. Would you play Would you play Shuffleboard at the Legion? <laughs> well, give me another 30 years. 
Although, although with this beard that's coming in, mostly gray, it seems. It looks. Have you not shaved? I'm not shaving, dude. I'm 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 keeping this for the whole month. I'm off. Okay. How long is it? Are you looking like uh, David Letterman yet? No, no. I would ha- I, that would take me my entire lifetime. I'm one of these guys. You know what? I'm like Cliff Clavin from Cheers. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right, so you're a little scruffy. I'm a little bit scruffy. It looks like hell. Uh-huh. And then guaranteed the last day, the day before I shave it, the day I go back to work, it's going to blow up into something majestic. Are you going to manscape it into something? Little topiary? They, they, <laughs> exactly. Could you make it a bird or maybe an elephant? <laughs> maybe. You know what you want to do is you want to get some of those old George Michael album covers out. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe you go with the chin strap. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll bring it back to 1992, baby. I, I, I mentioned to my wife that mustache rides were five cents. Because <laughs> I've seen the t-shirts, right? And, and she goes, huh? What? Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get The team over at geeksandbeats.com put together the Earworms list, the top 20 songs you can't get out of your head. And my favorite is right off the top, Manamana and the Two Snopes. Manamana. 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 Did you know those creatures had names? No, I had no idea at all. I think we should actually have some sort of uh, listener warning about this because once we mention these songs, they are going to end up going through your heads for the rest of your lives. So um, if you are susceptible to earworms, uh, be very careful listening to the rest of this podcast. You could end up becoming very infected. So once we have that disclaimer out of the way, now we can go ahead and talk about things. So the Snoths are, according to the Muppet Wikipedia page, furry pink creatures with horns and round yellow lips who sing the, the, the backup vocals to Menomina, as we've heard. They've appeared on the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah, but where does that... I suppose your bigger question is why? Yeah, I thought they were cows. They kind of look like cows. They kind of do. Uh, apparently, both of them were performed simultaneously by Frank Oz. He had one Muppet on each arm and they couldn't be controlled by arm rods. They swung fr- their arms swung freely from side to side because there was no one to control the arms because Oz had both hands full. OK, do you know that this was written by an Italian guy? This was an actual single at one point. Really? Yeah, his name is Piero Umolini. It was released as a single 
1968, and it appeared in an Italian film called Sweden, Heaven and Hell. It was a minor radio hit in the U.S. and Britain, but it wasn't really gigantic until the Muppets came along and until the Benny Hill show started using it. Oh, really? The Benny Hill show uses everything to the point where Yakety Sax is now, I think, colloquially known as the Benny Hill song. Yeah, you know, it just like, uh, what's the name of the one that opens uh, Monty Python? Same thing, it's the Monty Python theme song. John Philip Sousa, The Liberty Bell March. Okay, so, but back to Menomina. Um <laughs> This was a, a weird film in which it appeared. It was an exploitation documentary film that talked about wild sexual activity in Sweden. And the song accompanied a scene in the film that was set in a sauna, and uh, it 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 had its original title was Viva la Sauna Svidis, which is hooray for the Swedish sauna, and it was performed by a band called Mark Four, and the lead was sung by a guy by the name of Alessandro Alessandroni and his wife Julia. So as we go down the list on our Spotify playlist of the worst or best earworms ever, I'm just going to run down. Actually, there's 26 of them on this list. Uh, in, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah in, including Baby by Justin Bieber. Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham, which doesn't surprise me too much. Um, from uh, the 1960s, The Trashman, The Surfing Bird. Well, blame that on Family Guy. I went to everybody's head about the bird. Aqua, Barbie Girl is on the list. Uh, of course, Tommy Two Tones, 8675309. 8675309. Sorry, you know what that is? Is That's my broadcaster side in me, where you have to contract numbers. Yeah, I know. And not only do you retra- contract them, you also have to say the telephone number twice, otherwise you might as well not say it at all. And that's actually a real phone number. You're right, a real number at one point. Yeah, and, and somebody got sued for it. Yeah? yeah. One of my favorites is Smash Mouth's All-Star. Mm, okay. But number two on the list, uh, Behind Journeys Don't Stop Believin', in which we did an entire show just on why Journeys Don't Stop Believin' is the best rock and roll song of all time. Number two is Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. You took your time with the call, I took no time with the fall, you gave me nothing at all, but still you're in my way, I beg and borrow and steal, I first sight and Hot night wind was blowing. Where you think you're going, baby? Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. But here's my number. So call me, baby. It's hard to 
Did I ever tell you my Call Me Maybe Carly Rae Jepsen story? No. So I'm at the TV factory at BNN, 299 Queen Street, which to Gen Xers would be referred to as the Much Music Building in downtown Toronto. And they have the annual Much Music Video Awards. And it was the year that this song was huge. And she's out there in the parking lot doing a sound check while I'm getting my lunch. And that song is is playing. They're working on that song. And it gets stuck in my head like an earworm, exactly an earworm. And it's stuck in my head for hours, about two hours or so later. I'm back in the newsroom. I've had my lunch. I've moved on with my day, but I can't get this song out of my head. And I'm standing there in the newsroom bitching to a colleague of mine about how I can't get this goddamn song from that Carly Rae Jepsen out of my head. And I turn around and she's standing right behind me. <laughs> now, can we talk a little bit about neurology here and why this happens? Why? Well, over at Geeks and Beats, we've got Amber Healy explaining it all away for us. I've done some research on this and let me give you my view of the earworm. Have you ever noticed that when you do have an earworm, the loop is only about 20, maybe 30 seconds? You never have have the entire song going in your head. It's usually the main hook or whatever part of the song gets trapped in your head, but it's never really more than 20 seconds. Have you noticed that? And why is that? That's because your brain's auditory cortex kind of works like RAM in a computer. And before music, any kind of sound is processed and goes to the brain, it goes through this area of, of, of RAM. And the maximum capacity the, of this RAM, this hearing RAM in your auditory cortex is about 20 seconds. So basically what happens is that you get a infinite loop created in your hearing RAM and it goes over and over and over and over again. So basically what you need to do is a complete control all delete uh, to get that that RAM back in order, or you need to flush the cache on the RAM somehow. The first popular reference of an earworm, uh, which of course, as you point out, commonly defined as a song or musical phrase that can't be easily dismissed, came from the 1978 novel Fly Away by Desmond Bagley. But Amber Healy points out that Mark Twain back in 1876 in his story, A Literary Nightmare, writes that a jingle here can only be freed by passing it along to someone else. Yeah, I would imagine this kind of phenomenon, this neurological phenomenon is is as old as, as human beings. And the first time I ever heard the term earworm was in an interview with, believe it or not, David Lee Roth of Van Halen. He was the first person to use that word in, in my life. And I have always credited uh, DLR with that. Researchers have found there's a formula that makes songs more susceptible to planting themselves in your brain and not letting go. Betty Williams of the University of St. Andrews School of Philosophy was among a team of researchers who found five key ingredients for an effective earworm song. Predictability, rhythmic repetition, melodic potency, surprise, and the listener's feelings about the tune. When we look at that list that the uh, team has compiled, how does all of that qualify? Earworms are very, very subjective, very personal. I remember I was at a coffee shop on Queen Street West in Toronto, and I had to go to the bathroom. And written in big letters right above the urinal were the words, Elton John's Rocket Man has been going through my head all day, and now it's going through yours. And that was it for the rest of the day. I was, you know, it's going to be a long, long time. 
Could not get rid of it. So, it, it, you know, I've, I've had various songs stuck in my head for no particular reason, and they'll be there for, you know, hours or even days and then suddenly disappear and never to return. Dartmouth College researchers used an MRI machine to study brain activity when someone is subjected to an earworm, and they discovered that when you listen to a song or a song fragment, the fMRI system shows activation of a brain region called the left primary auditory cortex. That is the region associated with hearing. It also gets activated when you think of the song or try to make up parts of the song that you didn't actually hear when, say, maybe you went into the men's room of that bar or what have you, suggesting that uh, an earworm may be fed by the memory mechanism of the auditory cortex, which comes back to your idea that we simply just don't have enough RAM in our heads to hold the whole song. Yeah, again, it's a loop and it gets stuck. How do you get unstuck? Well, there are a number of ways. And I've heard that if you pick up a crossword puzzle, that's one way of doing it. I've heard if you do Sudoku, that can help you. Uh, Chewing gum, which is a weird one, apparently can help. Uh, This can be a, a debilitating disease. There are people who have these songs in their heads 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they cannot get rid of them. And uh, people who have have had treatment for that find that they get help from ADHD drugs. Oh, that's an interesting angle to it. Yeah, there there is there's some kind of of uh, connection between ADHD and these debilitating earworms. The reason why crossword puzzles and Sudoku work to get an earworm out of your head is you need something that focuses your brain just enough on a different task, not so much that it's incredibly complex, but not uh, simple enough that your mind can wander. Hmm. Listen to a different radio station or a talk radio channel. And the alternative way from News Medical Life Sciences is just give up and listen to the whole damn thing. It's interesting that 98% of people will experience earworms at some points in their lives. Women and men, about the same experience equally often. But earworms tend to last longer for women than for men. And earworms tend to irritate women more than they irritate men. I wonder why that is. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's songs with lyrics account for 30, well, sorry, 70, almost 75% of earworms. It's very rare that you get an instrumental earworm. Based on some of the neuropsychology information and research that I've seen, um, instrumental music earworms, uh, I mean, that's way down at you know, 8%. Well, for your buddy in the men's room, number five on our list of the biggest earworms ever 
is Elton John's Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. On this list, which is number one for you? Of the list, uh, Rocket Man by Elton John, I Don't Know Why, and Song 2 by, by Blur, probably because it's got that hooky woo-hoo in it. But that's the only thing in it. Is, is that what you've got going through your head as you're driving around town? Woo-hoo! And that's it. But that's the point, again, because an earworm is only 15 to 30 seconds. And for it to become an earworm, it has to have something that gets its hooks into your auditory cortex. And uh, song two ticks all those boxes. It was uh, recorded in 1997 as the fifth studio album by the British rock band Blur. The hook is distorted bass uh, featuring Damon Albarn yelling woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. Didn't they have to after putting out the um, the music video where everybody where, where they climb into the, the grocery cart and they go running around town? Didn't somebody have to put out a, a, a reminder? Don't actually do this in real life. <laughs> Listen, that's that's Darwinism. If somebody ended up doing that in real life, uh, we got rid of somebody who really should not procreate. In 1997, it was nominated for Best Group Video and Best Alternative Video at the MTV Video Music Awards. And then one year later, Best British Single and Best British Video. And it was voted... Um, the 15th best track ever by the BBC Radio 1 listeners. Yeah, I mean, it's been very popular. It's been in a million movie soundtracks, and it's been, you know, used at a billion uh, sporting events. So it's it's one of those things that gets into the popular culture. And then, you know, when something gets that ingrained in society, it's just a matter of time before it becomes one of these earworms. I read at the time that it was intended to be a parody of grunge. Well, it was. Uh, they were just goofing around in the studio. They recorded it in a total of 15 minutes. And uh, the reason it's called Song 2 is because it was about two minutes long and it ended up as track two on the album. That's it. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We want to say thank you to Geeks and Beats intern Mark Bradley. He is a member of the world's worst intern program. He donates a dollar per episode to help support the big show. Doesn't do any actual work. Uh, and uh, all we do is say thank you. And that's what makes it the world's worst intern program. We are down $24 in pledges in the month of February alone. Oh, so um, the P&L sheet does not look good. We're, we're starting to lose people, dude. Mm, okay. Maybe this is something about us. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because people are watching the Olympics and they're just too busy to do these things, you know. Uh, again with the Olympics. Well, I'm, I'm saying, you know, one of the things that we've noticed in, in, in broadcast is that advertising is down because so many people are actually concentrating on the Olympics. Unless, of course, you're America, because America is doing very poorly in the Olympics. NBC's ratings are tanking as a result, and they're losing a lot of money on the Olympics this year. So much like NBC and the Olympics uh, impacting us generally, uh, we would appreciate your support. So if you go to geeksandbeats.com, click on the support the show link. There are multiple ways you can help keep us on the air, and every dollar that you donate gets plowed right back into the big show. 
We also have another link called support the show by way of going to the swag store and you can get yourself a miracle travel mug of traveling. Please do. Again, I cannot recommend this thing enough. How long have I had mine? Four years? Four years now. Four years. And it is, except for the dent when my wife knocked it off the counter and hit the floor when it was full of coffee, which did not spill, by the way, uh, it is in perfect shape. Even the graphics on the outside, despite being run through a melee dishwasher many, many times, are still intact. You're not the only one who's a big fan of uh, the big Olympic Games. Uh, over at our Twitter feed, we've got uh, a miracle travel mug of traveling shot uh, on our hashtag GNB Mug Tour 2018, courtesy of Brentan. I don't know if that's Brent Ann or Brentan, but um, Brentan is uh, tweeting about the sun setting over uh, day nine of the Olympics, hashtag 2018. And there it is, this beautiful sunset view with the miracle travel mug in the distance. That's fantastic. So we uh, we're in North we're in South Korea right now. We are everywhere. I, I'll take mine to the Juno Awards. Uh, I'm doing that in January, late March, and then uh, I'm off to Singapore and Thailand again at the beginning of April. You're off to Thailand for a thing. Um, I have a friend. I'm going to. I got to go sort out a relationship issue in uh, in Singapore. I'm bringing my my counselor with me. And she has... Is that your wife? No. Oh, what? No. <laughs> Wait a minute. Just a friend. No. Okay, there are a whole lot of blanks that need to be filled in on this story. Uh, I understand. I understand. No, we're, we're, we're friends with this couple. And uh, her husband is okay with this. And my wife is okay with this. And we are going to Singapore together to sort out a relationship issue that's happening over there. And once we get this sorted out, she wants to take a day trip to Thailand to go to an elephant sanctuary. I, I don't even know where to begin with the jokes. We are just going to be friends, okay? Great, friends. It's the best thing. You realize, of course, that we could never be friends. Why not? What I'm saying is, and this has not a come on in any way, shape, or form, is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. They do not. Do too. How do you know? Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail them, too. I, listen, I don't know where to begin with it either, but if you talk to our spouses, they are totally 100% on board with this and okay, which just shows you how much of a zero I am with women. My wife completely <laughs> trusts me to, to fly halfway around the world with somebody else's wife because even if there was something there, I would not pick up the signals. In a related note, wifey's looking at this now two and a half weeks worth of growth on my face, and I think she's starting to come around on it because I think she's looking at me as, uh, as maybe she's getting a new guy. Ooh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's like an Italian soap opera. It's like now she's married to my evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.